You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From Los Angeles, California, and Maria Menounos, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. Spotlight On is a long-form interview series featuring actors and TV personalities. And now, from the world's number one TV after-show platform, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. Ah, we're on already! Yay! So... Welcome to Spotlight On. I'm Ali Kona Bradford here for AfterBuzz TV, and today we have a very special guest. He's been figuratively and literally a Superman. You've seen him playing college football, breaking records. He's played for the NFL and also graced your screens as a TV hero icon and a few villains as well. And now he gets to make out with Valerie Ortiz on Hit the Floor. So please welcome a man who will forever, in my heart, remain Superman, Dean King. All right. I like that introduction. And I'm out. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Perfect. That was a great show. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Um, You know, and it's funny because if I were to go down the list of all the things that you've accomplished in your life, I'd probably be talking this entire show and you would just sit there. That's cool. I can listen to you talk all day long, especially if you say nice things about me, then I'm golden. Okay, perfect. (laughs) So I have a very, very important question for you. Hit it. Let's go. So at any point in your career, starting from 1993 all the way up until present day, have you at any point owned a very snazzy vehicle with a license plate that said Superman on it? Oh, well, I was with you all the way up until that last part. Not, I've owned some snazzy vehicles in my day. Um, and currently may as well, but nothing says Superman. What? Nothing. Are you kidding me? I would totally take advantage of that one if I were you. <laughs> That'd be like me putting the uh, Superman S tattoo on my arm. I kind of can't do it. I mean that. You know? Okay. See, because this is what I, if I was you, this okay. is what I would do. Right. I would do that just so that people like me could drive right behind you like, and hey. think, who's driving this car and what a douche. What a douche. You know? <laughs> and then can you pull up my first picture, please? And and I think that either it was like a really nerdy guy trying to make up for for things. <laughs> or or he's a really cocky jerk. And then I would pull up next to him and see you and be like, oh, my God. It's actually him. It's him. He's and a cocky jerk. Look at that. Yeah, that's the guy. I'd be like, oh, who's that guy right there? Super butt. <laughs> <laughs> I, got some, I got some junk. I got, yeah, throw it I got out some there. junk in the There's trunk. Some junk in that tr- There's some thunder down under. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I'm a football player. So yes. football players are built that way. They're you built guys have legs. Have you got to have legs. How else are you going to knock anybody down? This is true. This is very true. That's um, so funny. You know. <laughs> good game. Good game. <laughs> I'm glad you like, I like, I'm glad you like my photo. You know? That's a good I'm, shot. I'm Asian. I, I like pictures. I'm, a, like I'm Asian with hey, you. Hey, high five. I'm a quarter Asian. You're Asian. Yes. So I'm am a, I. It's okay. That's it. Okay. So <laughs> talking about, I want to start talking about the beginning of your career and then just going to go down the line a little bit. And with Superman, before you booked that, you'd done tons of guest work. And then you did, what, 35 commercials? I did 35 commercials, about 35, 40 commercials in four years. Which, first of all, is bananas. It is a little bananas. It's true. But it was all I had to do. So that's how I made my living. But going from that to playing two main characters in a TV show, first of all, that's a huge workload. And second of all, as, in a sense, a new person to that world, (laughs) were you like, holy crap? Yeah, I was. It's it's overwhelming. And that's why I feel for some of the kids who make these stupid mistakes that they make. Um 
because it's it's so much to handle. It's shocking. It's overload. Um, when I you know I did these commercials, that was great. I was hoping for these shots. Had a few guest starring roles, and that was fantastic. And I saw how some people acted, like on 902 and all those kids who were on the show. And Jason Priestley and Luke Perry were fantastic to me. They welcomed me and they made me feel comfortable. They were really spectacular. Like they came up, made it a point to come up to me and say, "Hey, man, I love what you're doing on the show, and thanks for being oh, on." Oh, that's so like, nice. I've done that. Ever since that, to, to anybody who comes on any of my shows, I just think that's the right way to act, and I learned it from those guys, and I, I tell them that. So it's fantastic. But I didn't have a clue what was going to happen with my life. My buddy said, hey, man, forever, for the rest of your life, you're going to be known as Superman or somehow connected to that. And that's like telling a kid the water's hot. You know, until you stick your hand in that water, you know what that means? Yeah. yeah. I, I really didn't get it. There was a time somewhere in the first season where I would wake up in my bed and be like, no, no more pictures. no more." Pi-. I was like, oh, my God, what am yeah. I doing? Yeah. It becomes overwhelming. Now, when you get to a certain age and you've been through the rigmarole and you've seen it all, you, you understand that it's finite and that, that it all sort of fits in a different compartment. You know, yeah. and, um, you handle paparazzi very well, by the way, because I've seen a few videos and you're so kind about it. I'm like... Okay. Well, you know, I don't, I don't do a whole lot wrong. It's not like yeah. they're catching me coming out of the, you know, a uh, 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 crack house, um, you know, loaded up with an AK forty-seven. You right. know, yeah. um, they catch me coming out of a sushi restaurant with my son or something yeah. like that. And I just ask them to be, to be. Uh, respectful around him he used to be real small when he was little and uh yeah (laughs) and so um it would scare him sometimes yeah he didn't like that everyone was sort of focusing attention on his dad but then now he's my size so now he doesn't care now he's just fine but but uh they're generally nice and if you're nice to them and you don't pull an alec baldwin everything will probably be okay right Whoa. I said it. But no, but, but even outside of just the fame, right? But the workload itself, because again, a guest role to two main characters. Yeah, that and was. That's like, and on top of that, Superman, that's a huge responsibility. It was a humongous responsibility. It's more than I understood. Again, it's something I couldn't quite understand or gra- grasp or put my hand or, uh, my head around, but um, it became all encompassing. It's literally all I did. All right. I would do is go to work, go back home, go to work go back home and I would get six hours of sleep a, a, a night for sleeping and that's all I would ever get and I would try to come back and work out and I spent my entire life for four years on set that's all there was I didn't have a son I didn't have a family I didn't have anything to worry about so it was fine but there wasn't a lot of time for anything else there was really no time to do anything else and I haven't done a show like that since, partially because I like my life. Yeah. I like to raise my son. I like to be a present father. I like to have some time. It can, you can see how that can, you know, break somebody. You see why some people might turn to drugs or, or alcohol or things like that to try to cope because it's difficult. A lot, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, I actually have a couple pictures from when you did no. Superman. If I could have my engineer pull that up for me really quick. Uh, a few pictures, actually. Oh, if, right. you could, if you could play the two back-to-back, that would be really awesome for me. Um, <laughs> Am I going to be embarrassed? No, not at all. Am I going to be proud? See? Oh, look at that. See? <laughs> dun, That's dun, and then, that looks a little squished. And then that oh, one. We we'll go. leave that one there. Okay. Hey, wait. There's a little fly. That we can't so... So you can't be there. My, my... That's my favorite shot. My, my input on this one. So I grew up watching Superman. Like, I'm not just... You know, talking about what I know, I literally every, you know, every week I, I watch Superman. And two things. One, I would always think, Lois, get your life together. Like, Clark Kent <laughs> is Superman. Hello? Yeah, she couldn't and, catch that one. You yeah. know, you know. Um, but the other thing, and this is a very random thought that only crossed my mind as talking to friends and telling them that I was going to have you into the studio, was 
it never dawned on me that Superman was Asian, right? Ah, uh-huh, yes. And comic book fans are so diehard. Because I've hosted yes, another show, Arrow, and if I ever say anything wrong, it's like, they'll write me a whole comment and let me know. Sure. Absolutely. You know? So for you, taking on this role, did you ever get any crap, if you will, from people in regards to that? To being Asian? Well, the funniest thing was when the show first started, uh, the internet was in its infancy, because I'm that old. Uh, and but you so- look good for your age. <laughs> Thank you. That matters. It's, that, it's that Asian. That's right. Hey. <laughs> um, so... Uh, uh, the the internet was in its infancy, and so people were starting to comment. It wasn't like what happens now, like when when Ben Affleck gets announced that he's going to play Batman, and, and there's an internet freakout. It's right. not like that. You don't get that instant. He didn't have that instant feedback then. Nobody knew who I was. They hadn't seen me. But the funniest comment I ever received was um, my brother found it on the internet, and uh, it was somebody said we wanted to get, we wanted Superman, not Sushi Man. <laughs> and I thought that was out. Yeah, I thought, thought it was great. I never realized that I was. Because I was adopted by my my stepfather um, when I was very young, and I never knew my biological father, um, so I didn't realize that I even looked Asian. I didn't know that until yeah. my friend said to me one day, he's like, "Hey, Frank's sister was asking if those two Chinese kids moved out," and I was like, "Which Chinese kids?" He's like, "You, you idiot!" No, I was like, "But I'm Japanese. I don't even know what that. I didn't, yeah, I didn't get. I didn't yeah, yeah. get it." But I didn't realize that, and uh, it's one of those funny things that uh, um, that that. Uh, you know, I can play, you know, Latin, Italian, yeah. whatever. And I've played Hawaiian a bunch. Uh, and then uh, about as all-American as they get. Right, right. I just thought it was interesting. I also have another picture that I want to pull up that I thought was really cool. Um, oh, well, this is you as Clark hey, Kent. Hey, Clark. Look how I mean, young. Look how young. doesn't even look like Superman. <laughs> Such a difference. Can yep. we go into our it's next the picture? Glasses. Yeah. Your mommy. Hey. <laughs> I knew your mom was an actress. I didn't realize that she actually had been on the show with you a few oh, times yeah. as well, too. Oh, yes. She played a nun one time, and then she played this little this little uh, waitress at, at the hometown. Uh, we went back to uh, Smallville and uh, had some little, you know, sort of a farmy hoedown thing, and she played a little waitress there that is so funny to me to see that that is awesome yeah that's awesome I th- well I think it's just cool in general that she she was involved in your career if you will and obviously your stepfather being a director and inspiring you with writing and you wrote a few episodes oh yes how did you convince ABC to let you write a few episodes <laughs> for Lois and Clark well I uh, I had a screenwriting contract uh, at Hollywood Pictures before I, I was ever playing uh, Superman so um, I actually had to negotiate out of a writing contract because uh, the role was taking too much time and I couldn't hit my deadlines as a writer. So then I was on set. I lived on set and I was going to be, I was going to go crazy if all I did was just act, act, act all the time. So I, I needed some outlets and he spent a lot of time sitting around. Back then there was more time sitting around because things took longer with film. It took a lot longer. Uh, the digital age has changed dramatically. So things took a lot longer. So I was sitting around a lot and I thought, you know what? I want to write. I'll write some of these shows. And so I, Told them, you know, look, guys, I'd like to try to write a couple, so I'll, I'll I'll follow the same protocol as any other writer. I'll submit ideas. If you like them, great. If you don't like them, shoot them down. Uh, so I did. I submitted some ideas, and uh, they they accepted one, and that was uh, Seasons Greetings, and that we did that. We wrote that, put that sucker out there. It was a lot of fun, um, and that, they had me on the deadlines like every other writer. John McNamara supervised and rewrote me if I made mistakes, and uh, it was great. 
Uh, then I wanted to do another, and uh, so I pitched another big idea, and they accepted that and got to write that one as well. So are you still into writing today? Absolutely. I do tons of writing. I write behind my father almost every time he does a film, uh, and I've, I write and produce constantly. I, I probably have six projects in the works right now. Nice. Very cool. I mean, I know you have your own uh, production company as well, too, and you guys are still actively producing content as well? Yeah, and I just exec produced a... a, a Christmas movie because I've done 9,000 of those. Yes, by the way. I like I counted I think 13. <laughs> Is it 13? Yes. Well, there's going to be 14 now because nice. I just finished Merry Xmas for Ion Television that I exec produced. Uh, I didn't write that. I did a lot of writing on it, but I didn't write it. Okay. So why don't we talk a little bit about life before the spandex? Was there life before there the spandex? There was. There yes, was there life was. before spandex, and I think I might have a picture of it too. This will be awesome. I told you I'm Asian. I love pictures. So I have, <laughs> look at, oh, look yes. At this. This Baller. young, young man. Baller. So cute. So cute. So for those of you guys who are listening to the iTunes download, we're also on YouTube. And we have some really great pictures of Dean when he's playing basketball. <laughs> Always number 11. Yes, Always. number 11 was a big number for me growing up. Uh, and my son happened to be born on the 11th. They told me he was going to be born on the 13th. And I said, no, he's going to be born on the 11th. And then I forced him out. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> just hit him in the stomach. No big. Just, just actually pushing pressure. And the, no. Oh. Uh, he just, that was the time. It was nice. it was ridiculous. And uh, 11 was always my number. You know, I had to wear like 16 was a number I had to wear in high school for a while until one game uh, against Palisades. They ripped my jersey. And the following week, they didn't, we're getting ready for the game and they're passing out the jerseys. And they're, oh, Kane, yours got ripped. I'm like, what? So what? And they said, well, here, what, you can wear this, this. I said, all right, give me 11. And then I had like nine catches for 150 yards and three touchdowns. I'm like, okay, I'm keeping that number. Nice. And then uh, my freshman year in college, I had number one. Because they wouldn't give me anything. They wouldn't give me 11. And then as a sophomore, I got 11 back. And that uh, propelled me into the NFL. Yeah. Well, they would never let me wear number 11, by the way. Oh. No, I had to wear 36 in the oh, NFL. Oh, well, through the NFL. That's why I got hurt. Right. That was it. <laughs> you're like, forget you. they wouldn't give me number 11. But, but you are. You Seriously, you're a beast when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to sports. I mean, you you we talked about this on BTS. You have a record for the NCAA that has still not been broken. I've got two of them. Two? Okay. Well, they're per-game averages because we, I only played 30 games um, as a college football player, uh, varsity football player, because you couldn't play as a freshman. It was the Ivy League rule. Yeah. Um, they figured the school was too difficult, so you couldn't play as freshman. So I lost a year of eligibility there. And then we can't play postseason games. Another Ivy League rule, which yeah. I think is a stupid one. So let's fix that one, guys. We actually Anybody's have a picture listening? of you from college when you were playing Ooh. football. Yeah. Oh, look oh, at that yeah. young man. I have another one of you in action, too, because that one's a little bit blurry. A little... Oh, now, yeah. Let me ask you this, because okay. I read that you turned down 17 athletic scholarships. First of all, the number is huge. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's... Like, one is awesome, but 17. And... You turn those down to go to Princeton where they actually couldn't give you a scholarship? Is that true? Yeah, there's the Ivy League rule since I think about 1953, no athletic scholarships. You're a true student athlete, and I love that concept. Of course, as a high school student, you feel like you know your ego is so big. You're like, I want to you know, go and play it. I want to get a full ride and this and that. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, though, because if they pay for your, your scholarship, they kind of own you in a sense. And at Princeton, I was able to uh, run track, play volleyball, and I did everything. And I, my, my you know, time in the football field was because, you know what, I want to be out there. And I like playing ball and I like representing the university. So it was a real true student-athlete situation. And that's what the Ivies does, it does provide that. Um, I loved it. But there are a lot of people who can't afford right. that education. Fortunately, my dad said, and listen, my dad didn't have gobs of money. He worked his tail off and made some insane sacrifices that I won't get into, but 
suffice it to say, as an adult now, I look back at what he did and I'm like, I'm kind of blown away. That's why I named my son after my dad. It's the same name. Also because it's easier for tax reasons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are, no, there are no scholarships, athletic scholarships in the Ivy League. So if anybody's ever telling you, oh, my son got a football scholarship They're at Harvard. Full of it. No, he didn't. Um, that's a shot, I think, for my junior year. I can tell you the year by looking at what I'm wearing. Oh my gosh! Against Cornell, so, maybe wait. I was a sophomore. I don't even. No, I was a junior. Pete, okay. Milano, Pete Milano would not have been on the field oh. as a sophomore. <laughs> Sorry, Milo. I say, what was your mindset back then? Because you know, you majored in history. Where did you think your career was going to go at that point in college? You know, um, I knew I was going to end up in film at some point in time because I had gone out with my friends and and summer times and seen their internships and seen what you know Wall Street was like and investment banking, and I knew that really wasn't something I was comfortable doing. Um, having grown up on film sets my entire life, I was like, this is a great way to make a living. I like projects. I like getting together and like a team and working on a project and then being done with that and moving on to the next. And that's what filmmaking is. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that in school. I was always better doing a project. Give me a paper, a big giant project, a big paper, and I can dive into that and I can really concentrate on that. And, you know, the day to day of having to go and every day, that sort of just got boring to me. So, I realized early on, you know what, this uh, this whole investment banking world is not going to be for me. Of course, a couple of my friends became billionaires. <laughs> but then, so did you, were you aiming to go pro? Or that's just something that just happened along the way? I wanted a shot at the NFL. I felt, you know, I felt very confident that I could play in the NFL. And after having been there, I'm dead positive. I was, I fit very well. Buffalo was the best place to go. I, I thank uh, Jason Garrett's father, Jim Garrett, who um, Jason Garrett's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys right now. He was my quarterback in college. His father, uh, Jim, um, was a scout forever in the NFL. And I had some conversations with him, and he really guided me well um, toward going to play. And he told me the best place for me to play and the best system based on the way I played defense was Buffalo. He said, it's the right place for you. And the truth is it was, it was a perfect system for me. Uh, had I not gotten injured, I feel very confident that I would have played um, – just a heartbreak. I mean, I was there, so I don't ever say, yeah. oh, I could have been there. I know I could have yeah. done it. It's just that I didn't get a chance to to do it, which right. is a little frustrating because if I'd have played five years for Buffalo, I would have seen four Super Bowls. Yeah. Oof. yeah. And maybe, maybe, just maybe we'd have won one. I'm not yeah. saying I would have done it for sure, but it's okay. maybe. It's but maybe. Horn. It's okay. It's okay. You can do that after buzz. <laughs> maybe, I was out of, maybe I'd get out of position and they throw the ball and I end up yeah. picking it off or something. Who knows? But let me ask you this then, how, because obviously it's a physical injury, but how long did it take you spiritually to get over that? Because it's a, that's, that is a heartbreak. I'm still not over it. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, probably the third or fourth season of Lois and Clark. Really? Um, I realized I'm never going to play in the NFL. Wow. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I, Cause I always felt like I could get back out there. You know, I was a lot stronger. Um, I, the truth of the matter is when I got injured, I thought what was going to happen was they were going to throw me in the practice squad or something and just, and just let me heal up and then just keep me around because I didn't cost anything. I was so cheap yeah. as a free agent. They signed me for dirt cheap. Um, I thought they were going to keep me around the system. I wish they had. Had they done that, I think I would have still stayed. I would have had another surgery on the knee and really gone after it. And, and uh, I think I would have been very valuable to them. I wish they had done that, but but they didn't. They they were going to waive me once I got healthy, and it was kind of a bummer. Bill Polian was the uh, general manager, and he's gone on to do some unbelievable things. He's a great judge of talent, um, and I just wish he... Bill, I wish you'd kept me a little bit longer. Um, I mean, Superman, NFL. Well, let I me mean... tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I came back after I started playing Superman, and I was a, 
honorary captain. We were playing the Dolphins, and it was the divide. It was going to decide the divisional championship. So whoever won Buffalo or, or Miami, they were going to go on to the playoffs. Um, and it was uh, Dan Marino and me and Jim Kelly and some guys out there. And uh, we go out there and we have the coin toss and the whole bit. And the game's going on. And Andre Reid is a great. He's going to be a Hall of Fame receiver if he's not in the Hall already. Um, catches the ball just short of the first down, gets blasted right in the sidelines, right in front of me. Gets up and just stood there for a second. He was standing right next to me. Got his wind back and he goes, "Dean, how you get into that acting thing anyway? Because those guys were getting <laughs> yeah. blasted. I mean, when you see if you've ever been on the field and seen the impacts and heard the impacts, it's a uh, it's a car wreck every play. Oh, I could and imagine. It's, it's wicked. So those the the toll on their bodies is amazing. Yeah. Wow. So after you did that, and then we did, you know, we went through Superman. You also hosted a few shows. I oh mean, yeah, produced, but also hosted a few shows. I have a picture of you from Ripley's. Actually, I, I love your pictures. This is great. Thank you. You're welcome. You won't believe your eyes. Believe and, it. And did you? Now I know you produced this, and it was already a concept, Ripley's. But yeah. did you come up with a formula for the television show itself? Also, yeah, they came to me and said, "Hey, listen, let's talk about Ripley's." And I said, "Well, okay, if I were going to host Ripley's, believe it or not, I would want it to be like this, 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 this." And it was Sony and Russ Krasnoff, and uh, he was like, "This is what I want to do." And um, and I remember Zach Zach Van Amber, who's I think he's still the president of Sony Television. Uh, he was like, "Dean, this is going to be easy, and it's going to be fun." And I said, all right, if I, and if it looks like this, if I can do it this way. And they said, yep. I was like, really? We did it that way, and it was a blast. I loved doing the show. What happened with the show, after four, ye- four years on TBS and the number one show every year, um, a new guy came in named Steve Coonan, took over the network, and he wiped the slate clean. Anything that was on the, on the network um, got wiped clean. And he came up with a bunch of new shows and wanted to rebrand the network with such venerable hits as Gilligan's Island, the reality show, and oh. uh, and some other doozies. So we got we got snuffed, um, and that still hurts because that was a lot of fun. And and people continually still to this day keep talking about that show. Yeah, I was gonna say I wonder what happened to it too. It just disappeared. Well, once they wouldn't you know put it on the network, we didn't have a license fee. It was we couldn't make the show. So. Uh, but you also hosted a few other shows, right? Oh, I've hosted tons and times. I'm hosting right now Masters of Illusion. Oh, Masters of Illusion. Where can we find that? It's on CW. Starts okay. in August. Um, I hosted 13 episodes of that. I've hosted, uh, you know, when Dick Clark uh, first got ill and had his first stroke, I, I stepped in for him on the red carpet there and did some things. Hosting's fun. I enjoy That's a hosting. Lot of fun. It's a good time, and I like talk shows too. So. I, I, this day and age, you don't really have to be one thing or the other. And there's never been a reason to have to be that, be this or be that. Um, I like doing everything. I don't mind hosting things, um, you know, Seacrest style. He's made a couple dollars, hasn't he? Just a, just a few. Yeah. Not, as, not the, as much as me. Understood. Me. Understood. But, you know, okay. uh, but there's, I like all that stuff, you know. Um, yeah. I even enjoy the news cycle stuff. So it's hard to say. I don't think you have to really... The, the whole industry is changing. And then with a show like Hit the Floor, I can do other things outside of just the show because there are so many characters that are doing so many things and the dance takes a long time and there's this story and that story. I, that's why when I show up at work for Hit the Floor, I'm excited because I love my character and I, and I haven't been worked to the bone. And that's what happens on a one-hour drama or, you know, if you're one of the two leads or one of the or two of the three leads, as I was. Right, right. So then, what would be your end all be all project? I don't think there is an end all no? be all project. But is there I anything mean, you'd love to do? I like to be home. touched yet. I like to be home. 
I like to be in my sphere. So I would like to be able to do like four different things at once. Okay. Maybe have a morning talk show that deals with uh, real subjects and things like that and news and some politics uh, and some light stuff and then be able to go to, you know, hit the floor and work on that for a little bit. At the same time, uh, you know, writing, producing, directing a big giant feature that I'll do, you know, in my spare time. I mean, I like doing stuff like and that. And you'll have my number and you'll call me. Oh, well, yes, I will. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. No Glad we got that cleared up. On air. On air. <laughs> this is for the record. Internet is permanent, guys. Permanent forever. <laughs> Remember that when you're sexting, okay? Permanent. <laughs> right, right. Um, I you especially. Say, watch it, oh, young oh, man. Um, I that's, was, that's, that's not my son, <laughs> by the way. That's another Chris. Um, one of the roles that stood out to me that you've done, and I just rewatched it recently, was the Lacey Peterson story, The Perfect Husband. Yes. And, I mean, that's such a different role, first of all, from Superman. But second of all, there's, to me, a huge responsibility in that role as well because it's a real story. Yeah. So how did you approach that, especially knowing – that this guy, I mean, he's on death row, so we can assume. Well, <laughs> they found him guilty. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. In general, I've played about three or four real-life people. And every time you're telling that story, there's a certain weight to it because you know you're telling someone's real-life story, as you said. Uh, it's it's important to take it seriously. Um, his, his particular case was interesting because we started shooting the show um, on day one of his pretrial hearings. So. Wow. We would literally go, we'd shoot our day, then we'd come back and I'd watch the news and see stuff that might affect what we're doing the next day. And we didn't want to convict him before he was convicted because we didn't know that he was going to be found guilty. Honestly, after we shot the movie and I was watching the trial itself take place, I didn't think they were going to convict him because all of the evidence was circumstantial. They yeah. didn't have anything concrete. Now, it's about as close as you can come and they did convict him and I do believe he is probably guilty, um, but I, I didn't think they were going to convict him. So playing him, the way I played him really is the, the most telling thing in the entire, all, all the research I did, et cetera, et cetera. I never met him, by the way. People always ask me, did you meet him? I was like, no. What did I go to San Quentin and be like, hey, Scott, so tell me. I'm about you, to play you in a movie. Just give me a little something, you know, give me some insight. I was like, I know we looked kind of similar and I and I did did attempt to look more like him, obviously with the hair and, and some of the, some of the, the, Things that he did, the, the facial mannerisms. tics and mannerisms, and so thank you. I was looking for that word. Um, and uh, there was an there was an interview he did with Diane Sawyer, uh -huh. and we reshot that interview. But watching that interview stunned me because it reminded me of you know when you're an actor and you're promoting your show and things, you learn you get your talking points, the things that you're supposed to sort of talk about. And if they ask you about this, and we want to say that it's like this, and the show is like you know you get those things and you hear them. Now I'm I'm an old salty pro, so it's very simple for me to do. But when you first do it, you're not as good at it. And he reminded me of a politician or an actor or somebody who's just going to try to stick to his talking points and not listen to what someone's saying to them. You know, uh, there's a one way you'd react if, if, if you were truly innocent. There's another way you'd, you'd act if you were just trying to get these words out. And we did that interview. The first thing we shot in the whole movie was that interview. And, uh, I try not to like ape somebody really be, you know, copy them. Um, when I'm playing them, I want to try to act and do, do the thing and really show the emotions. But in that particular interview, I had to just do what he did because it was like bad acting. Yeah. And, we sat down and we did that, and it was so, it was really slated for somewhere in the middle of the movie. You know, it was chronologically slated, and it happened somewhere in the middle of the film. But as it happened, they thought they were so shocked by the resemblance and the way it worked, they opened with the that, film with yeah, that, yeah. which was really creepy. They were creep. After I did the interview, 
it wasn't like, oh, that was great. It was like deathly silent and quiet and everybody was just creeped out. It hurt wow. my dating life for a little while. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to talk to you then about, because that is that's, that's such a stark and evil character, and then you were in the past known for this really lighthearted, very quirky guy. I think I might have another picture also. <laughs> I love the picture. Yay. Okay, it's good. good. And it's funny because I don't even remember what picture Aww. it is. Oh, it's you and Valerie. Okay, so maybe I did jump to the picture a little bit early. Don't mind me. Val's awesome. She's she fantastic. You could, and I said it earlier, you get to make out with this really beautiful girl on Hit the Floor. Your job is so hard. Yeah, I mean, look at those lips. Look at her lips there. Do those look like they're kissable? I mean... As a matter of fact, they do. <laughs> and they are. They happen to. Absolutely. Um, but, okay, so I'm going to take that picture down. But what I, <laughs> what I did want to say is, is because that is, like I said, such an opposite role of Superman, and I had read somewhere, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when you play... Oh, that's wrong. I'm sorry. I should wait. I should wait. I should wait. So anyway. <laughs> I apologize. Um, no, no, no. It's fine. Uh, when you play such an iconic character and you do it so well, people remember you as that. Because, I, I, I mean, if you ask any of my friends who Superman is, your name comes out. <laughs> but at the same time, it's a blessing and it's a curse. Because sure. for somebody who's so artistic and you do want to go into a role like that, did you have a hard time with people looking at you going... You're Superman. Like, yeah. You can't be the bad guy. Well, that perception is certainly... There are a certain number of decision makers in Hollywood, and uh, they can put you on there. They can say, yes, you're in, or no, you're out, or they can they can change things. There's There really are a few decision makers. That's the way it used to be. There were, there were you know, maybe 15 decision makers. Nowadays, with so much... Excuse me. There's so much content, so many different places to go. You can you can do a lot more work. You can do a lot more things. You can reinvent yourself. Um I was brand new when I started doing Lois and Clark. It was the first thing I had done. I didn't know that I could even do anything else. I didn't know if I had it in me. I didn't know if I had the chops. And I was actually, they asked me to host uh, Saturday Night Live early on when I was doing Lois and Clark. And the truth is it scared the daylights out of me because I didn't think I had the chops to do it. I didn't have, I didn't have a body of work that was big enough to do it. And I thought I would just fail. And the truth is I think I made a smart decision. Now... If they called, I might say hello, yes, uh, because I've done so much and I've had, uh, uh, you know, uh, 25 years of, of doing this. Um, so so it's, it's different. But I was not sure that I could do those other things. I wasn't positive. Uh, now I've done so many, I've done a hundred movies or things like that and so many hours of television and guest starred on so many different, you know, different uh, shows, whether it's Law and Order, SVU or Criminal Minds or, you know, whatever you have. I've done it and done some comedies and it's... Uh, I've done enough where I feel comfortable uh, taking different roles, but it's hard. The perception sometimes, you know, you get stuck. You know, if you just go play, a, if I played Scott Peterson, they're like, okay, he can play a killer. So he'll just play killers now. Or if you do a comedy, oh, he can just do that. So your job as an actor is to break that perception. Heck, there's a movie I did called The Broken Hearts Club where uh, we all played gay and half of us were gay or half were gay, half were not. And we had to figure it out. I don't, you know, I had, I didn't, know what to do but I loved the project and they said you know what they don't really want to see you I was like what this is a tiny little movie and they're like well they don't really see you as this character I go but I am I could play this guy so well please let me go in and play it they're like no well they want you to audition but they really we had to fight to get you in I was like dang it really so I go in there and I auditioned for this character and uh, uh, I got the role and uh, it was fantastic. I had to go to gay school, which was funny. Really? They There's such fun. something called gay school? Well, they, well, we had our own little gay oh. school camp. <laughs> I couldn't understand why my character gets insulted early on. And, and a guy says, uh, I'm breaking up with a guy and I'm reading the lines off my hand because my character is a wannabe actor. 
And he says, if certain uh, rumors concerning your sexual proclivities start to surface, uh, you know, who started them, bottom boy. And I was, and everybody laughed in the room and I was like, okay, I got it. What does that mean? And they just laughed harder and then they explained it to me and I sort of understood. But yeah, I had to, I had to learn a few things that I didn't quite understand. But uh, that movie was fantastic. I mean, um, Zach Braff, uh, Timothy Oliphant was the, the lead character. Um, uh, Justin Thoreau was in there. Greg Berlanti created, wrote it and directed oh, it. And Greg is amazing. amazing. You do Arrow, right? So yeah. I mean, that's his too. Yeah. So it was a really amazing project, but I had to fight to get in that room. And so you fight and there's different, there's different uh, projects. Some projects you don't want to fight for. Yeah. You know, um, when I got to do, uh, you know, opposite Denzel Washington, when I played in that film out of time, I had to go in and Carl Franklin, thank God, doesn't care what you had done or hadn't done. He's like, you know, let me see this guy. Let me see. I'll see this guy. I'll take a look at him. And when you go into audition for Carl, he has an actor in there with you, not a casting director going like, and then you went to where, you know, like just giving yeah. these monotone lines. And I had an actor in there, and he he didn't care that I was Superman. He even said this this guy came in. I, he said he could stand toe to toe with Denzel. I believe it. he's a he's a pro football player. Let's go. And then I had to, got to audition with a Denzel, and that was fine. And I'm so thankful that Denzel gave me the green light, and Carl gave me the green light. But you do fight against that stereotype because if they know you as Ross from Friends, you're Ross from Friends. And if you can break that, great. And I think I've certainly broken that. Uh, but I don't. I don't also mind the public saying, oh, Superman, Dean Cain, fine. Because yeah. I loved that role. It was so much fun. It was such a great way to start my career. And what better than to be, you know, forever linked with the greatest American icon? Right. I'll take it. Right. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about your career. And, you know, you know, for the ladies, I got to ask, ask some questions. <laughs> let's, you know? let, let's go. Okay. So, because I saw you on an interview with Sway, and one of the things you'd say, Sway, that's my yeah. man. Sway's a yeah. good dude. Yeah, and you dude. were just like, no, I'm not married. No, never. Uh-uh. 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 Not, never not never, like I, I mean, won't do it, but oh, okay. I never have been. Oh, okay. Because I was like, okay. So, I wasn't sure if you were just anti at this point No in way. Life. No okay. way. Okay. Just not the right girl has come along and, you not, know. If I met the right girl, I'd marry her tomorrow. Really? Uh, dead serious, yeah. Okay. I have no problem with commitment. I was a single father. I have full custody of my son. I, you know, I take him to school every day. I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I drive him to school. We do homework. I, did, I mean, I'm, I have no problem with commitment. I'm actually best in a relationship, but um, it just hasn't worked out that I've met that person. I don't want to do it once. I mean, I, what am I saying? <laughs> you Whoa. know. <laughs> uh, uh, Freudian slip, anybody? Uh, I don't want to do it more than once. I want it to happen once. And the reality is, when I was very young, when I was younger, I used to try to think I could, you know, you think, oh, I can fix so-and-so. Oh, he'll change. She'll change. People think that. In a relationship, it doesn't happen. People don't change that much. My sister gave me very good advice, which um, I try to follow. She said, first of all, for me, never, she said, just don't date a girl who's under 30. Just number one, because yeah. she's my sister. Don't get mad at me, women out there. She says that a woman doesn't really know who she is until she's about 30, because she did that was her personal experience. Yeah. So, you know, under 30... I'll think about it, <laughs> but uh, I would be I would be wary, and I I'm in no rush uh, to get married. But if I met the right person, so, how great would that be? This is what I need you to do. I need you to look that camera dead in the eye, and I need you to give me four qualities to make a woman wifey. Here's the funny thing, though. If you'd asked me that 20 years ago, I probably would have said different things. Okay. Tell me, okay, okay, tell me the today version, and then you can tell me the 20-year-ago version. A 20-year-ago version. I don't know. I was such a meathead. I don't know what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> but I'll say now, uh, intelligence, sense of humor. 
boop, boop, yeah, I just want to word this correctly. I don't want to. I don't want to say you know self worth, but th- I don't know where, the, where that falls. Confidence but it's not. It's themselves. confidence is important, but self worth. So obviously, intelligence, sense of humor, confidence. I would say or self worth, and then I'm going to say a big giant one: kind, kindness, and uh, that's outside of you know sexy and sexual and sensual and. You know, all, all, those, all those physical things. Uh, those are the other traits that I look for, for sure. I, but it has to be someone has to be intelligent. They have to make you yeah. laugh. And you really have to, to... I don't care if our interests are exactly the same. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. I don't care if they're liberal or conservative. It doesn't matter as long as they're intelligent and can discuss those things. Right. If you can't discuss those things... It's going to be a short one. It's going to be short. <laughs> so if you were to get married, this is what it would look like. I have another picture. All right. Yeah. Let's see this. This will pull up. I know I saw it and I was like, wow. I'm anxiously is, awaiting this, this one. so 90s. This is of, oh, yeah. <laughs> look at that hair. Holy yeah. smoky. Not um, even the hair, the dress. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. I was just looking at my hair. <laughs> Forget the girl. We're focused on Terry. Terry was the greatest Lois Lane. I think she did the best job. In the history of Lois Lanes, I give yeah. her the I give her the crown. Um, yeah, wow, look at that! And even the background for the picture is smoking hot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> smoking nineties hot. That's amazing. That's awesome. I like that. Uh, it probably won't look like that when I get married. No, no, it won't. Uh, I won't be in that that outfit. And- I doubt she'll be in in something similar to that. But she can get whatever my wife wants to get. My future wife wants to get married, and that's fine with me. So I'm put you on the spot because I'm I'm in the mood to be a girl and you know I gotta ask you and you are a girl uh, I, I just happen to be you are a woman great observation She's a woman yes. not a girl you. thank you that's right woman so um, what is the most romantic thing you've ever done for a lady wow well, that's hard to say I think it's subjective and I think that uh, I'll let the ladies answer that let me call some I'm kidding okay, go ahead uh, <laughs> we have plenty of time uh, that's I think it's subjective and it certainly is in the eye of the beholder. So that wouldn't something that I might consider romantic might not have been perceived. Are you giving as me a being, political response right now? Yes, I am. No, no, no. See, I don't take you can't that. Can't do that. No, no, no. Not, no, no, not You're here. Calling BS on me right here in the middle of that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching you. I'm asking you to dig deep and reach wow. in. Wow. I don't know what the romantic, most romantic thing I could have done would have been. Um, I don't know if it was my ex fiance was having a surgery and I wouldn't leave her side. You know, when she was going under until she was under, that may be considered romantic. I don't know. Um, Wow, you just scared the hell out of me. Uh, you know, just calling me out for thoughts, digging it. Uh, <laughs> so that way, well, maybe, maybe I'll just cultivate some ideas. It might. Something came out of my along. mouth real fast, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So that maybe that's it, or you know, the big giant displays of romance aren't the most romantic things in my eyes. It's the everyday stuff that is. Mm-hmm. Whether it's bringing somebody, you know, the coffee in bed the way they like it, like you actually pay attention to that, mm-hmm. or knowing that they had a tough day, or knowing that you just want to stay home that week, and instead of going out to the three dinners that you have planned, you just stay home like somebody here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, if that sort of thing can be the most romantic thing. You never know what it is. I think it's the little things. Um, and I don't know what the most romantic thing I've ever done would be. I really don't know. That's okay. I'll accept that answer. That All right. Answer, but that's honest. That is that the is, truth. And, you know, 
that's the great thing. Honesty is huge. And you know, I will say that too. I've I've watched several interviews. Exactly. That's what I have done. <laughs> I, I, I've watched several interviews about well with you, and I've noticed that you are you're very honest, and you're so hu- like just human. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. I just said that to Superman. Uh, but what I mean is, is I feel like you're not afraid to just be you in an interview, and that's so cool. It's a hard thing though because. Really, when you're really first starting out, I would talk too much. I really would say too much. I'm a little more measured when I speak now, but I'll, I, I will speak the truth. I'm not going to try to dance around something like that. And what happens is, uh, you know, I'm 40-something years old. Uh, um, and I don't, I don't want to give wishy-washy answers. So oftentimes what happens now is politics come in and people start talking about world events and things. And I've seen enough and I've been around enough. I have my opinion. It doesn't mean that it's... The opinion. It's not the definitive right. answer. I'm willing to listen to other people talk and listen to what they have to say, and maybe I'll change my opinion. If they can convince me otherwise, great. But I, I tend to just be direct and honest and straightforward. And then listen, if I don't want to answer something, I'll say, no, thank it's you. probably best I don't answer that yeah. question. But not even that. I will say just in your energy in general, I'm just paying you a compliment, is for all the work that you've done in your life and all the success that you've accumulated, you're just so real. All right. I mean, I'll take I know that. That's the most you know random observation, but no, it's really refreshing. It definitely is because uh, being at After Buzz, we've met several people obviously coming in <laughs> and out. And I'm like, oh, actors you know. are weird. I'll you be know, honest, they are. It's funny because it's usually the people that aren't really there just yet, <laughs> just yet, but they've got this huge ego. And then you have people like you who've done all this stuff, and you're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> well, I think that's how it should be. Yeah. Because. Uh, the, the ego and all that stuff is ridiculous. And at, at the drop of a hat, you could be in a car wreck like Tracy Morgan just got into. And yeah. he wasn't even behind the wheel or, you know, couldn't be anything like that. You just don't know what could happen. Plus, at the same time, it's great that I got cast in the role of, of Superman. But it could have been somebody else in a heartbeat and I could have never had that opportunity. And so humbleness, I think, is is important. And I think that if you ever lose sight of that, you're... You're losing your mind. And coming from the world of athletics, I don't care if you're an all-pro. The next play, you have to do it again or else someone's going to knock you on your keister. And that's that's the Real. deal. Yeah. And so as good as you may have been last week, it's, it's this week and here we go. Yeah. So your ego doesn't mean anything. And then plus having been to, you know, I've been out to, seen so much with our servicemen and women out to, in Iraq and I've seen so many injured soldiers and things and seen stuff like that and um, done some charity work in, in Africa and, and, and Vietnam and things, you really get a sense of, okay, you know, that's not what's important. Right. And I think probably the, the greatest thing that I've ever been a part of is having my son, being a parent. It's the most vulnerable thing you can ever be a part of because you can't protect them all the time and you want to, but uh, you just realize, man, there's nothing more important. Wow. Well, Dean, it has been such a pleasure talking We're done. to you That's it? and even sharing so much with me. Holy I mean, smokes. If there is anything that you would like to share with the world that I just have not asked you, please, by all means, share. <laughs> well, I would like to announce today. No, no, I don't have any announcements. Um, <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how did this interview go? I thought it was awesome. I'll give it a ten. Ten. Yeah, you don't get the. Well, you're can, not gonna, I can't, can I get 11? 11? 11. Absolutely. You Thank get an 11. You. Okay. It's so my favorite 11. number, anyway. So. There you go. See, that was 11. <laughs> so, where can fans find you? I'm sure they already know where you're at, but just in case, leave them your Twitter handle. On Twitter, it's at Real Dean Kane. Who, by the way, I've tweeted at you and you've never tweeted me back. Have you but tweeted that's at okay. me? Okay. Yes. Tweet I at have. me again. I will. I'll, 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 I'll get in there. I'll okay. make sure I follow you. Am I following you? No. Double check. Rude. Rude. No, I Triple know you're check. not. Because you know? you know what? I tweeted our interview and you, you didn't even retweet. You didn't favorite. No. But I was traveling. So anyways, Possible. 
So anyways, my name is Ali Kona Bradford, and you can find me at Kiss My Passport. Um, no, and I do tweet out, you guys, I have a wonderful interview that we did for Behind the Scenes of Hit the Floor, mm-hmm. so you can check that one out as well. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a website, so check out my website. It's com backslash television host. And right now, Dean Kane is putting that in his search browser, so be like Dean and do that. I am do- I'm looking for you right now. Kidding. But anyways, thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you again, Dean. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. I'm going. I'm looking. I've got thank you. Hold on. Bingo and click follow following nice okay for the bam following me (laughs) done yay okay thank you guys so much (laughs) oh wow I didn't realize you're wow all right from executive producers Maria Menounos Kevin Undergaro Phil Svitek and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. <laughs> Buzz you Buzz later. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.